0: Hello, Eugenie here. Today we are speaking with homeopath and educator Susanna Shelton. So before Susanna discovered homeopathy, she worked in medical research at John Hopkins Medical School and the University of Virginia Medical School in the USA. Her lifelong interest in spirituality, however, led her to Scotland, where she completed a postgrad degree in theology at St. Andrews University, as well as postgrad work at Harvard Divinity School. Midway through her theological training, she was introduced to homeopathy, and after a great personal response to treatment, she decided to pursue formal training in homeopathy with the National Centre of Homeopathy in the USA and the College of Homeopathy in London in the 1980s. Susanna has previously taught at various colleges in New Zealand, including the Wellington College of Homeopathy, the Hahnemann College in Auckland, and Bay of Plenty College of Homeopathy in Tauranga, which is where I studied. So she co-founded a journal for the New Zealand homeopathic profession called Homeopathy News, as well as serving on the NZQA expert panel on homeopathy, and she set up Celine Homeopathics in Tauranga, which supplies quality homeopathic remedies to the profession and the community. I used to buy a lot of my remedies there when I used to live in Tauranga, so yeah, it's a great little shop. In 2004, Susanna was a guest tutor in homeopathy at Hong Kong University, and later that year became owner and principal of Sydney College of Homeopathic Medicine. Susanna took a few years sabbatical from homeopathy before returning this year as the director of the College of Natural Health and Homeopathy. Susanna's vision for the profession has been and remains to have the highest level of homeopathic treatment available to the greatest number of people and animals and plants at a reasonable cost to the consumer and a professional level of remuneration to the practitioners. She sees the college as a key player in this vision as it works with the wider community to make it happen. It was certainly wonderful to speak with her today because even though our paths didn't quite cross while I was studying at the college where she is now the director once again, I had so many handouts which had her name on and I've always known about her all these years so it was very special for me to get to have a chat with her today. I'm sure you'll enjoy this interview. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout podcast where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world and now your host Eugenie Kruger hello everyone and a very warm welcome to homeopathy hangouts today we are speaking with homeopath and educator and director of the college of natural health and homeopathy in new zealand susanna shelton welcome susanna
1: It's great to be here, Eugenie. And first of all, I want to just acknowledge you as one of our graduates from the College of Natural Health and Homeopathy, which is based in New Zealand, but um, has students all over the world and distinguished graduates like yourself. It's great to connect with you and see what you're doing to further the interest in homeopathy uh, and, uh, of course, getting great results as a practitioner, because that speaks volumes. But it's lovely to chat with you today. Um, I'll just contextualize a little bit because I love to tell stories Mm -hmm. as part of my educational uh, strategy, I guess. And because I think stories for me are also the things that profoundly have influenced me. And with my journey with homeopathy, it started uh, back in Scotland uh, in the early 1980s. And I was actually studying at the University of St. Andrews. I had begun my undergraduate studies in religious studies and also medicine, and I had ended up in a fellowship of of divinity uh, at St. Andrews. But I still had a huge excitement about the scientific method. I hadn't given up on science or or, uh, conventional medicine, except that I personally suffered from eczema. And a good friend of mine was a medical student. And she saw that I was using a lot of steroid creams for the treatment of the eczema that I'd had since birth. And it was effective up to a point. It would take away the inflammation, the itching, but you had to keep applying it all the time. And in my own case, I found that the uh, longer I'd been using the topical steroids, the hydrocortisone creams, the more I had to use in order to get the results. So um, my friend said, you really should look at something alternative. And I said, oh, no, that's not for me. Um, I wasn't even open to this suggestion. And she said, well, what about homeopathy? Would you consider homeopathy? Never heard of it. And as an American by birth and culture and education, I was like, well, you know, if it was any good, we'd have it in the States. And she said, well, look, the queen uses it. So if it's good enough for the queen, it's good enough for you. And I thought, oh, okay, well, maybe I should have a look at it. Um, Anyway, long story short is that I ended up uh, consulting with a homeopath for my chronic eczema. And I was in my early 20s. And I, you know, had this since birth. I had one series of remedies that this woman who was a homeopath and happened to also be a midwife and a registered nurse. And she was very thorough in her analysis of my symptoms, and, but she wanted to know all kinds of things about me as a person. And she came up with a prescription. And I was still extremely skeptical that it would work. But I th- I'd made a bet with my friend. I'll give it two weeks and then you can stop talking about alternative medicine. And she said, yeah, deal, deal. Anyway, the story was that I I took the first homeopathic medicine and I did it exactly as instructed. And the next morning I woke up uh, wide awake, feeling like I had been plugged into the mains power, really energetic. And this was unusual for me at the time because I used to have two alarm clocks that I hid in different places of my bedroom because I would have to set them for five minute interval between them. And I would have to get up and turn them off. And that would make me get out of bed. So the fact is I hadn't set the alarm because I was on holidays and had seen the homeopath. uh, But I woke up feeling fantastic. And I thought, coincidence, nothing to do with those little white pills that I took from the homeopath. But then I noticed that not only was my energy better and better, but my eczema completely disappeared uh, within the first two weeks. Wow. So I thought something's going on here. This is very, very impressive. So even though I was uh, studying for a master's degree at the time, I started reading about homeopathy on the side, as it were. And then I was able to discover that there was a homeopathic college in London. And the format of that college was one weekend of uh, attending face to face lectures per month for 10 months of the year. So even though I lived right up uh, the far north of the United Kingdom, it's St. Andrews in Scotland, I used to take the train to London once a month and study homeopathy. So I did that for a year before I transferred into a full-time program that they had. So then that was a a four-days-a-week proposition, and I absolutely uh, enjoyed my training, and I became completely immersed uh, in homeopathy. And, And I got a taste even at the very beginning with the inspiration of my tutors to start teaching homeopathy myself. Mm-hmm. So, really, that's the story of how I got involved, and mm-hmm. in really not only inspired by the potential and possibilities of homeopathy as a therapy, but also um, homeopathy as a discipline, because I was so impressed by the methodical and precise documentation that the homeopathic community had been involved in since the very beginning Mm -hmm. of um, the therapy with Dr. Samuel Hahnemann, who is a Mm -hmm. German physician that some of your audience may be aware of. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it appealed to my scientific sensibilities, having worked actually in medical research as part of my undergraduate um, program and uh, in really having a respect for thorough um, investigation of, Mm -hmm. of ideas Mm -hmm. And what I found in homeopathy was this incredible resource about the medicines, what they were useful for, as well as a lot of case histories that had been collected and published with internal peer review Mm -hmm. in the profession for over a century and a half. Yep. And I, I just use those as guidance as well. So a lot of those case histories, where you could say, were a story or an anecdote, but when you added up um, the mass of anecdotal um, evidence, you could see that there was uh, very clear indications of when uh, and how to use the remedies. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Um, so that in that journey with the at the college in London, it did inspire me to teach myself, but also to be a lifelong learner. Mm -hmm. I'm constantly learning more from my colleagues and from my patients, and uh, it, it will never disappoint me in terms of my interest in ongoing learning.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. And speaking of learning, I said to you before we started that uh, we just missed each other at the College of Natural Health and Homeopathy in New Zealand because you left just before I graduated. And um, so, but I had so many documents and handouts and things that always had your name on this. I was like, who's the Susanna Shelton lady? She really knows her stuff because her handouts are amazing and they were always beautiful mind maps and it's just so thorough. So I wonder if you can maybe tell us the journey about the College of Natural Health and homeopathy, how you got in there, uh,
1: left for a little bit and then came back. Yes, yes. So in terms of journeys in life, you know, you do have chapters. And my chapter with formal education of of homeopaths really began 30 years ago in New Zealand. Um, However, even prior to that, as a student in London, I got really excited about teaching first aid classes, uh, particularly to pregnant women. And that's one of the little like specialties that, that I developed really was supporting uh, pregnant, birthing, and postpartum using homeopathy. So I did a lot of my initial teaching gigs, if you will, were at uh, birth preparation classes where people wanted to know about how they might use homeopathy for minor indispositions of pregnancy and also to help with the birth experience. And a lot of those people I engaged with it became their homeopath, helping them with issues that had arisen or gotten worse during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky to be invited to a lot of births, at hospital as well as home births. Uh, so the education was grassroots in those days, and but it came an opportunity to be part of formal homeopathic education when I moved to New Zealand in 1991. Mm-hmm. I had a a long um, association, you know, with that college and building it up. We had an initial faculty of three people. And then by the time that I left, I think we had over 25 professionals teaching homeopathy for people as well as for animals. And a part of the curriculum, too, that I was really quite interested in, in um, solidifying and growing was also our appreciation of medical sciences. So, Eugenie, you would know that you had to study anatomy and physiology. Absolutely. Also, pathophysiology. Pathophys, yeah. Where you included like the common uh, diagnostic tools used mm-hmm. in uh, conventional medicine, and also the typical conventional medicines that are used for conditions and what their common side effects are, et cetera. Mm-hmm so that you would understand also what forces were at work in the treatment plan um, when someone came to see you as a client. Mm-hmm. When they're talking
0: about symptoms, you also know it, whether it's a possibility, the symptom that they're experiencing it could be a side effect of the drug or actually their own personal symptoms. So it really is important having the background knowledge of the drugs and their interactions. So that you
1: can differentiate Absolutely. between those.
0: Yeah. Mm,
1: yeah. And you know, this is something that happens uh, commonly in practice where someone presents with their um, the thing that they're most worried about or the presenting complaint is actually a side effect of a medication mm-hmm. they may have taken for a short time or for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably the one that your listeners would be very familiar with is like gut upsets that occur after a course of antibiotics mm-hmm. where. The antibiotic treatment is not selective and therefore you get problems with the um, good bacteria, if you will, in the gut. And sometimes things go out of kilter. Uh, mm-hmm. And as you and I know, there are definitely approaches that we can use homeopathically to help with those situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And you're back at the college now? Yes, yes. So I had a little, <laughs> a, um, a, a bit of a sabbatical, if you will, for a couple of years where uh, I decided to take a break from homeopathy and got involved in tourism. And fortunately, that came to an end with being able to sell my tourism business just before the COVID-19 epidemic. And as um, I was winding up that enterprise, the uh, current owners or the the current past owners of the college uh, approached me and said, you know, would you consider coming back? And uh, it was um, an opportunity that I had a look at and decided yes, because mm-hmm. in many ways, homeopathy is not just an interest, but um, an ongoing passion or vocation, if mm-hmm. you will. It's almost like a calling. Uh, and even as when I was running tours, I was often uh, having people use homeopathy like arnica, for instance, for soreness or for falls and those kind of things. And I would offer it to them as an option. So, yes, yeah, some good experiences um, using it in the field. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I don't think homeopaths ever retire. I think once you're hooked, that's it. <laughs> you're stuck yes, in it for yes. life. So <laughs> exactly. you just, you quickly touched on some of the subjects there that students can um, expect to learn about, the medical sciences. But what's, what other topics do you have at the college? So what other subjects do you have? And could you maybe mm. tell our listeners a little bit, because I know a few of my listeners listening are considering studying homeopathy. So what study options do you have? Uh, do you offer it internationally? I know the answer just for our mm. listeners. <laughs> (laughs) Internationally, what sort of options do you have? And maybe touch a little bit more on the animal homeopathy as well, because people are probably going, What?
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh, good, good. Oh, there's plenty to talk about. (laughs) Um, But uh, what we did with developing the curriculum for our homeopathy college is that we also benchmarked it to what was happening internationally. And Um, But our big innovation in New Zealand um, at the time, this is back in 1991, is that we introduced distance learning options as well as face-to-face classes. And this was a bit unusual for some countries because it was like, no, you have to drop all tools, all jobs, and devote yourself completely to full-time study. But with uh, our goal was particularly for women who were at home with lots of responsibilities professionally and uh, personally, that we wanted to create an avenue to formal study that they could work in around their lives. Mm -hmm. Um, And in the early days, the technology was pretty basic. We used to have a tripod in the back of the classroom, and we recorded directly onto big VHS tapes. (laughs) Um, And if you were born before uh, 1995, you uh, uh, probably remember VHS tapes. But um, that technology, we would send out the live recordings of all of our teaching sessions to people all around New Zealand, Australia. And then we ended up with students in the States and the UK as well. And even in the United Arab Emirates, a lot of people who maybe through uh, work commitments ended up in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. So wherever we could post VHSs, we could <laughs> enroll people in the program. And so as part of uh, the curriculum, you would get all of it on the VHSs, which was the homeopathic remedies themselves. We take a deep dive into each of the remedies That are in common use in homeopathy. For instance, I'm sure listeners uh, have heard of and experienced arnica. And we would have a whole hour to explore what the indications, like the situations you would use arnica, not only for injuries and accidents, which we call acute conditions. But we would also talk about when you might use Arnica for somebody who's had a condition for a very long time. Uh, For instance, Arnica is is one of the leading remedies in the treatment of PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder, um, which you think of a a, a bruise as something that's self-resolving. And Arnica can help speed up the recovery, but you don't necessarily think about Arnica for someone who's gone through maybe a car accident or a birthing trauma, even, mm-hmm. that took place many years ago, and they almost get stuck in that situation. Arnica helps to um, unstick them. Mm-hmm. So that's like a thumbnail sketch of what we would do in a deep dive class on Arnica Arnica. But we would also look at all the other important remedies for treating first aid conditions, acute conditions, but also the, the long-term problems like the eczema that mm-hmm. I experienced, You know, the mm-hmm. skin conditions, also mental emotional aspects of treatment and how homeopathy can help with, for instance, postpartum um, depression, mm-hmm. and which is something that was only recognized more widely in the last twenty years, and its occurrence is quite high. And we have so much we can offer.
0: Absolutely, know? we're definitely going to be delving into that as well. I just wanted yeah. to get back to your uh, the courses and the the subjects that you offer. And these days, your distance learning program looks a little bit different. Obviously, all online. Oh, yes. No more VHSs being posted yeah, to you. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> all online. Oh. And so the evolution is that we're now completely online. It also means that people can start or stop the course and study at their own pace with a login to our very sophisticated student learning system. Mm -hmm. So uh, as long as you've got decent broadband, you can effectively enroll in our program and you get the tutorial support from staff. And assessments are, are, are done online or uploaded that way. And the feedback that is quite rapid, so you're not waiting long um, amounts of time for your results. And also then as you progress in the program, it uh, becomes uh, more and more towards the clinical focus of long-term practice. Mm-hmm. So we uh, work with you to develop business skills, and, and looking at your clinical training with a mentor. Beautiful. So it's a very comprehensive training, uh, and it's using the best of the technology that's available. And we're looking at improving that all the time so that you're getting like the, the benefit of individual tuition, mm-hmm. uh, but also all the flexibility that comes from being able to study whenever you can work it around your schedule.
0: Amazing. And um, Susanna, I'm curious, what sort of person decides to study homeopathy with you? What's What does that person look like?
1: Oh, great. Well, the demographic traditionally and still in New Zealand and pretty much in Australia as well is overwhelming percentage of females. And a lot of the demographic we've noticed is uh, people who are a bit more mature. So it's rare that we have youngsters coming straight from school. However, what I've noticed is that this uh, recent trend where a lot of young people really feel drawn to professions uh, that are focused on sustainability, um, using natural products, particularly natural medicine, and it's like they have a a wisdom that belies their age and they're drawn to the study of homeopathy quite a, a lot younger in life. And the other side of that is my oldest graduate started the course when he was 83.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs>
1: and he's no longer with us, but his clientele were mostly his friends at the bowling club. And he used to, like, hold um, his clinic at the bowling club. Oh, that's uh, beautiful. <laughs> and he practised until he was 89, and then, wow. when he, then he passed away. Yeah, yeah.
0: You've actually just reminded me um, we did have one young gentleman in our class. I think he was probably about 20, this redheaded, tall dude that was in our class. So yeah, I Mm -hmm. wonder where he is now. I'll have to see if I can track him down. But that was interesting because in our class as well, we had very, mostly women and um, various Mm -hmm. different ages. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, women
1: have been the healers for eons, so it does make sense. Hey, Exactly. And the inspiration is often wanting to be of use to your family Mm -hmm. and your friends um, and particularly to give your children the very best uh, uh, opportunity to grow well. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And for me, it was when we knew we were going to have children in the next couple of years, and I suddenly realized, oh, I need to arm myself with tools of what I can use when I'm pregnant. Because when you're pregnant, there's hardly anything that you can take. Vitamin mm. C and probiotics is about it. But you, a lot of herbs, you can't even take. They're contraindicated. Mm. You can't take a lot of essential oils. They're contraindicated. You can't take most pharmaceuticals. So homeopathy for me was definitely the draw card when I knew I was going to be pregnant in the next few months. And mm. knowing there's something that's completely safe that I don't even have to think about twice. I can use it and know that it's something safe. And mm. we were chatting about stages of life before we started the interview and just how it always blows my mind when people say, oh, I didn't know you could use homeopathy for that. And I'm like, you can use homeopathy for anything. doesn't matter what stage of life you're at. And I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if maybe you can share a couple of case studies with us, Susanna, of how homeopathy has been used in various stages of life.
1: Oh, absolutely. And um, one of the things I was thinking about is that it's cradle to the grave. Yes. um, And it's uh, pre-cradle. and pre-cradle, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and in fact, the um, use of homeopathy around pregnancy and birth really was and is a speciality that um, I developed. And some of that came out of the fact that all of my friends were having babies and asking me, oh my gosh, I've got um, nausea during pregnancy. What can I do to, um, to help with that, et cetera, et cetera. And also like after birth and throughout all of life. Or people who say, look, I've, I'm having very strong conventional medications, but I can't come off of those. Or I have a bad diagnosis. Looks, you know, I'm I'm in palliative care. Is there anything homeopathy can do to help? And absolutely, even at the end of life, homeopathy is really uh, quite useful. I'll share with you um, one that is, is more closely related to, to birth. And this was an experience that I had where I was attending a birth where there were midwives and medical staff on hand. And after the baby was delivered, there was a sudden um, hemorrhage, which is called a postpartum hemorrhage. And the midwife pulled the bell to get other um, staff to come running because it was a major emergency. And the woman who was my client said, is there anything you can give me homeopathically? And I said, well, I'll give you some Arnica. Arnica. And to Arnica 200, and it was just sitting, the little pillio was sitting in her mouth. And the the flow of the blood stopped just as if somebody had turned the tap off. And the midwife turned and looked at me and she said, I've never seen that happen. Anyway, she went on to study homeopathy uh, for midwives, which was a special course that I ran at that time. And for many, many years, I consulted on cases with her. And she would ring me when she was at a birth and, and ask for my assistance. Mm-hmm. But she said, I'll never forget the first time that I saw Arnica stop a, a postpartum hemorrhage. It very so likely to anyway, their life. Absolutely. Mm. She said, it would have taken me longer to draw up the drug, um, run, to the, or run to the drug um, cupboard, get the, the required medication and get mm-hmm. back. And it was just as soon as that medicine um, was in the woman's mouth, boom, we had the result. I've Um, seen that as well
0: with my son when he bashed his eyebrow open and it was just pouring with blood. But luckily I had Anika right there in my handbag, gave them a paleo and it literally stopped in seconds. Mm
1: -hmm. So I
0: have seen that. I completely believe you because I have seen that myself. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that was another one of those. It just confirmed, like I'd had a many good experiences with Arnica, which is my favorite remedy because I think for so many people, it's the first thing that they try uh, and they go, wow, that really helped. There must be something to that. So it's a bit of a gateway uh, into homeopathic exploration.
0: Um, We we do joke it's the gateway drug to homeopathy.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very apropos. But on the other end of life, I had a a woman who had studied first aid with me uh, in one of my community-based courses, and this was in New Zealand. She was also a registered nurse by prior training, and she came to me to say, look, we're going off overseas. I'm going to be supporting my mother-in-law, who's very, very ill with cancer, Uh, And is there anything that you can suggest that I take with me to ease her suffering situation? Is there anything you can suggest? So anyway, I sat down with her and we uh, worked out a few remedies that um, I I knew may well be useful. And one of the things that she said to me after she came back, she said, oh, I have uh, some really good uh, things to share with you. She said, first of all, my mother-in-law did very well on Arnica, once again, uh, when she was extremely exhausted. And this would help with her energy, especially when she was wanting to talk to grandchildren or interact with people uh, because people were coming to say goodbye. Mm. in the, and And they had set up a hospice situation in the home. So she said, but the best thing she said as as the mother-in-law got more and more ill and she was on her way out, she gave her a medicine that we've used in homeopathy for uh, well over 200 years. It's called arsenicum album. And it's a remedy that we might use for gastrointestinal complaints in the most common situation. Mm -hmm. But we also use it for tremendous pain. And also when people have a huge fear of death Mm -hmm. and letting go. Mm -hmm. Anyway, she said, oh, you know, as we got closer, she said, is there anything more that you have to give me? That's what the, the mom said. And she said, yes. And so she gave her and we had put it in a very high homeopathic potency, which is also indicated in these end of life situations. And as she said, mom just very gently Faded away. Uh-huh. And so I'm moved by the story, even. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you saw me wiping away before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, uh, it's beautiful. You know, it was such a good outcome. And she's the first one as that I'd ever heard who said, So thank you to homeopathy for giving us a good home death.
0: Yeah.
1: And I'd never heard an idea of a home death. I've been to many home births, mm. but I'd never been to a home death. Wow. So um, that was something, and it was a great gift of mm. her sharing what had happened, but also the great gift of her being there and being able to administer um, that remedy at the crucial kind of mm. time to help with the letting go. That's
0: and oh, I
1: just one little codicil to that story is that yeah. the mother in law had been a really staunch member of the union movement. So she was like, she was a really hardcore. She'd been in the marches for workers' rights right back into the 1930s. And she'd been Mm -hmm. blacklisted in the United States by the McCarthy era. And she was hanging in there like she didn't, she wasn't going to let death get her. And it was like, after she had the arsenicum, it was like, she just let go, but it Mm -hmm. was on all levels
0: beautiful
1: so it was almost like um, she had to she was able to stop the fight she was mm-hmm. got permission to go mm-hmm. oh what can we
0: say after that that's just so beautiful
1: i know <laughs> absolutely it's like beautiful a, this is like a big breath you know yeah um Amazing. and uh i can share another though monday please story. do
0: because our listeners love stories that's the feedback that i've had the most is mm-hmm. and we
1: love the story so please tell mm-hmm. us some more so um, another remedy that you, your listeners um, might be familiar with, and if they aren't, I strongly suggest you have this in your home first aid kit. It's a remedy called Hypericum. It's otherwise known by its common name of St. John's wort. But in the homeopathic usage of Hypericum, it's um, it's one that we use for injuries to areas that have a lot of nerve endings. So Fingers, toes, lips. It's also almost as specific if you fall and land on your coccyx, Mm -hmm. which is your tailbone, Mm -hmm. and bruise that badly. I had one of my um, clients rang me up and said, we have a rocking chair. And uh, if you visualize the rocking chair, she said, the kids love to get in the rocking chair and go back and forth. Well, they went over the cat's tail. And they and she said, the cat's tail is hanging at an angle. The cat cannot lift um, its tail any longer. What should I do? And I said, well, it, it, um, give it Hypericum. And she actually had a dose of the 200C, which is our uh, way of designating the dosage of the medicines. Anyway, she took uh, Hypericum 200, gave it to the cat, and the, um, the distribution, because she only had little pillules which are normally used for humans to put under the, the dry doses under the tongue. Mm-hmm. And she asked me how to do it. And I said, well, you fold a piece of paper over, use a spoon to crush it into a powder. Mm-hmm. And once you have that powder, I said, just add it to a little bit of the cat's favorite food, because you know, it will get it and it will eat it. So she said she did that. And she rang me up the next day. She goes, "Well, that stuff's magic because the cat's tail not only is completely normal now, but even if you pet the cat along the tail, you can't feel where there's a nodule or anything of where the damage was." But she said it was almost like a green twig that it had was bent over, and it you know had obviously damaged the equivalent of the tailbone bone in the cat. And also in an area that has a lot of nerve endings. Um, Yeah, that was, was a great outcome with good old simple hypericum, which I have used recently when I was hammering and doing a DIY project and missed the nail and hit my thumb. And once again, the hypericum took away the pain and speeded up the
0: recovery very quickly. It really does. My daughter slammed her finger in the door this week and uh, she actually did it twice on the same finger. (laughs) And Hypericum, uh, I think I actually only gave her one dose. It was all she needed. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. But you've Mm -hmm. just said something else and this is actually more for my sake, but you just said about putting the powder on the cat's food. And traditionally we get taught that you need to take your homeopathic remedies away from food, store it away Mm -hmm. from sunlight, away from electrical Mm -hmm. appliances. Don't eat for like half an hour Hour, some say an hour before and mm. afterwards, and mm-hmm. I have come to the realization more and more, and this is where I want to pick your brain, is our Out remedies are actually not as fragile as we have been taught that they are. What are mm. your thoughts? Mm-hmm.
1: And you and I have the same teaching. Um, and I know that in terms of what we talk about, it's like the ideal situation. And there's also this pragmatic or practical aspect, which is if the person needs the remedy, just take it no matter what, Mm -hmm. however you can get it into the, um, like it needs to stimulate the person's energy bodies. Mm -hmm. If we, for lack of a better word, it's like in acupuncture, they talk about meridians. Mm -hmm. Ironically, all of the meridians in the Chinese medical system run to a point under the tongue. And this is the, the point where we actually suggest that homeopathy is best administered. I did not it's know that. Wow. Also, when I worked in the homeopathic pharmacy in London, we would make homeopathic remedies into suppositories for people who could not take an oral dose. Um, and this was, you know, like the other end of the digestive system. So it can happen that way. I did not um, know that either. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and the other thing with the, administering the remedies in food, a lot of veterinary homeopaths uh, do that mm-hmm. uh, or they'll put it into the drinking water mm-hmm. of the animal as long as they know that the animal is drinking because you know, sometimes cats are very infrequent. So that is a, a good way of doing it. One of my colleagues who specializes in animal homeopathy tends to use a little tiny spray bottle with liquid doses of the homeopathic medicines because the pharmacy can make them up Mm -hmm. um, specifically in a liquid form. And then in the dairy context of dairy cows with mastitis, it's applied either to the membrane by holding open the, the, the side of the mouth mm-hmm. or sprayed on, on, on the backside, on the open vagina. Wow. So you can get it through the vajayjay as well. So, <laughs> you know, these, these are just ways of administering. And, and, mm. um, it seems to be the mucous membrane is the most important uh, avenue for the medicine to make the stimuli to the person. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, also in the dairy dairy cows, if they treat the entire herd, you know, often there's seasonal, uh, medicines that they're given to help prevent mastitis Mm -hmm. and it's given to the entire herd in the drinking water, in the trough. Amazing. Uh, And those are just liquid doses that go into the trough. Mm -hmm. So with homeopathy, we're very pragmatic and, There are almost like the gold standard is to not eat or drink either side. Mm -hmm. And I say that to clients, it's more important if we're giving what's called more of a constitutional prescription, uh, or something for a long standing chronic illness. Mm. In my case, that's what I did when I had my very first homeopathic treatment. I followed the directions um, explicitly and I didn't um, have anything to drink either side.
0: Um, I always say if your child has just bashed, you know, something open and there's blood going everywhere and they just had eaten something, don't make them wait 10 minutes before you give them the remedy. Just give them the remedy. If there's still cake in the mouth after the birthday party, just throw the remedy in there as well. It's fine. But I hear what you're saying. If it's for a chronic Mm -hmm. complaint, uh, a long-standing, you definitely want to make sure that you're taking it away from food and on a clean Mm -hmm. palate I think is more important.
1: Mm -hmm. So just if
0: you've just had something to eat, have some water to clean your mouth, then have your remedy Mm -hmm. and then just wait a while before you take another dose. Mm.
1: Hey, I just wanted one little thing I want to talk about before I forget is more with animals because um, the founder of Homeopathy, Dr. Samuel Hahnemann, he was the first one to start using the... Um, principles of homeopathy to treat um, other creatures besides humans. And uh, he wrote the first like essay on the use of homeopathy in a veterinary context. And when uh, I got to New Zealand, I noticed that a lot of the Kiwis, there's a lot of, of a DIY culture, the do-it-yourself culture, and that for um, many years, people used it on the farm. And one of my uh, clients, she raised um, award-winning Nubian goats. Nubian goats are the ones with really pretty floppy ears. And she would take them to the equivalent of the Easter show um, and had all these trophies. For 20 years, she had used homeopathy on the goats without realizing you could use it on people. (gasps) So somehow she had been given a book on the treatment of goats with homeopathy and had no idea that it had evolved uh, from a human medical system. So that's New Zealand for you. But yes, they, I, I would hear all these great um, results for the use of homeopathy with sheep, uh, you know, other livestock like dairy cows but also high-end race, racing horses, mm. which can be all very high uh, secret because of the competitive advantages. But I can tell you some of the best results in the racing community over there would attribute their results to good homeopathic treatment. Absolutely, I know um, that too, yeah. So there's a lovely woman called Tienika Vercarda, um, Dutch origin mm. uh, and who lived in New Zealand since the 1970s. Also trained as a registered nurse, ironically, quite a lot of homeopaths that with a nursing background. Um, but Tinica had gotten involved in homeopathy and doing a lot of advice to dairy farmers because she lived in a region that was most famous for milk production. And she pestered me and pestered me to start an animal homeopathy program. Because she said, we need the education. Uh, We need to um, see that this is a specialty within homeopathy. And we can also uh, train the the homeopaths that are treating humans on how to better treat animals. So (laughs) in 1999, we launched homeopathy for animals as an elective within our program, and also led to a specific diploma, which is acknowledged by the New Zealand Qualifications Authority. And it's also approved for student loans and allowances within New Zealand. Uh, And it was taught by some specialized animal homeopathic faculty. And Eugenie, you probably remember having classes with the animal students. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah because some of the information is very core, like in terms of a core curriculum. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so we would look at efficiencies where that um, applies.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Materia Medica, we used to do alongside the animal students because the remedy pictures were the same, but then it would just be applied slightly differently with the animals or look slightly differently, or you'd look for, for certain things because animal homeopathy, you can't actually ask the animal how they're feeling, but that's a very um, funny one. I was chatting with somebody just yesterday and we were talking how often the animal and the um, their owner... Needs the same remedy. And I had yes. a client in here recently and I prescribed arsenicum for her and she burst out laughing. She said, I haven't told you this, but last week I took my dog to an animal homeopath and they also prescribed arsenicum. So that was very funny. And then somebody just told me um, recently about how their horse and them were, and they would prescribe the same remedy as well. So it's very funny. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. you brought up Tinica because I have such a special place in my heart for her. Um, she gave us each a copy of her book when we graduated and she's an excellent lecturer. I'm glad you brought up a bit more about the animal homeopathic training because they it's also four years for them as well. And it's mm-hmm. um yeah, a really amazing training. And I tell you what, if anyone's listening to this, we desperately need animal homeopaths in Perth because I think there's only one or two. And I'm getting so many animal queries every single day, and I always have to refer them to somebody else because I don't deal with animals if it's you know, not that I want to, but my clinic is just so busy. I actually closed my books in February because I can't even help enough people, like let alone animals. Mm. So we desperately mm. need animal homeopaths because as people are becoming more aware of the benefits of homeopathy, they realize, hey, I can use this on my animals, and then they're starting mm. looking more natural options for their animals as well. So we need more animal homeopaths desperately.
1: Mm -hmm. I agree. And um, I I definitely recommend uh, that if you look for animal homeopaths online that also do Zoom consults, Because this is where the technology is allowing us more options in terms of being able to consult. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us practitioners have had to use the technology more, even with the uh, Mm COVID-19 epidemic or pandemic situation, because of concerns about face-to-face meetings Mm -hmm. um, or legislative uh, prohibitions against uh, meeting together. So the Zoom consult is is not a bad option in terms of being able to get the information and really hear and see. Sometimes even like the, a physical complaint can be held up to the camera yes. uh, for examination or you take a picture on your cell phone and send it in. You know. Absolutely. And homeopathy
0: as a career choice, can I just say, is just so brilliant because so many businesses have had such a hard struggle since COVID, but us homeopaths, myself definitely have been busier than ever. I have had to get more homeopaths on board to come and help me. So as a career mm-hmm. choice, being a homeopath is brilliant because there's no barriers to being a, to your consulting. You, know, you can do it from your home over Zoom and mm-hmm. have the remedies posted out to your client. It's just such a brilliant career option, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks for um, sharing where, where things are going with you because I'm hearing that same thing mm-hmm. is that COVID has been, in many cases, a chance for people to reflect deeply on on how they approach their health, mm-hmm. what they can do in terms of prevention. And they've looked into other options and homeopathy is one that they're exploring mm-hmm. in big numbers. If anybody is interested in studying, I'd really... Uh, Welcome them to have a look at the College of Natural Health and Homeopathy, mm-hmm. which is based in New Zealand, uh, but can be delivered wherever there is a broadband, uh, you know, connection. And that English is your first language or that you become very proficient with it, because just in terms of the intensity of the study, we really focus on and and we're English speakers. So that is the language of our discourse at the college, but there are also some great providers in in other countries. Mm -hmm. But if it's an English speaking audience, come and talk to us about your interest in studying. Mm -hmm. Can you give Mm -hmm. us all the
0: links of how people can get hold of you, Susanna, and how can they get hold of the college? And do you still have a private practice yourself?
1: Yeah, because I've been in practice for over 35 years, the clients that I see now are long-standing patients, That, but I don't take new patients. Mm-hmm. What I do is I send them to colleagues, graduates of my program, people that I'm confident of and ideally as close geographically as mm-hmm. I can recommend, or someone who I know does very effective consults over Zoom. Mm -hmm. And also the other role that I've taken really in the uh, more recent years has been as a supervisor to colleagues who are stuck and would like a a fresh perspective, like a second opinion on cases. But the primary focus for me is is education still, um, you know, and sharing my enthusiasm for homeopathy. And also, I guess the skills I've developed as a manager over the years, running the college as a Uh, academic entity and making sure that we stay compliant with all of the requirements for continuing innovations and making sure that our curriculum is fresh uh, Mm -hmm. and uh, beautiful. So
0: So can you give us the links on how people can get hold of the college? Yeah. Yeah. So the,
1: um, uh, the the main contact for me um, and also for the college is uh, a c dot nz it's all um the um, abbreviations for college of natural health homeopathy dot ac is academic and dot nz for new zealand Mm -hmm. brilliant and i always like to finish up the
0: show with a little bit of fun and that is asking my guests what their top three remedies are for them personally so what are the three remedies you can never live without
1: uh, uh, favorite is Arnica um, <laughs> I, for all the reasons Thought you might say that <laughs> earlier been indicated. Um, another one that is, from my birth practice and perinatal practice, and that's colophylum. Mm. Uh, and so if some people say colophyllum, yeah. Uh, it's it's Latin, so we don't really know what the pronunciation is. But this is one of the remedies that I've used to help get women into effective labor. And I it never ceases. Uh who amazed me at how well uh, women respond to coliphylum.
0: Yeah, uh, so I used that yeah. one too, and it just <laughs> gave me you. the most beautiful home birth thanks to that remedy because things were not mm. progressing for me, and I used that remedy, and it got me back on track. And I had, you know, both my children were home births thanks to coliphylum. So I also say coliphylum. <laughs>
1: And I'll put a little animal pitch in there too, because, you know, I've actually used it in, in bitches uh, with, who are delivering puppies. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's very common for them to have multiple, multiple births, not just twins, but maybe six tuplets mm-hmm. and I'm watching the um, the bitch uh, whelping mm-hmm. and she's pushed the first two or three out, no problem. And then she gets stuck. Mm -hmm. And you can tell that she just doesn't have the energy to go on. The contractions don't seem to be as effective. You give colophilum and it's like all of the energy comes back focused where it needs to be. Mm -hmm. The strength returns and then they pop out another couple of pups. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, colophilum, whichever mammal we're talking about, (laughs) is definitely another big favorite. The other one that it might be a little bit uh, left field for beginning listeners, but I think you probably appreciate this, Eugenia, and any practitioners that you want to share it with, it's folliculinum. Mm. And folliculinum is a a remedy in homeopathy that's made from synthetic female hormones. Mm. And this is one that I've used many times uh, for women with fertility issues. And there used to be like a joke about all the women that I got pregnant. Um, and the, my favorite one was um, when I ran into a, a woman who was very um, far on in her uh, pregnancy, very visible. And she said, oh, she said, because um, I hadn't seen her for two years. She'd come to me with not being able to fall pregnant and she said, you got me pregnant with the first lot of folliculinum, and uh, she said, that's this one, and she pointed to the little um, toddler that she had, and she said, then when we decided we wanted to get pregnant for the, for the next one, I just took some more that I had from you, and she wow. said, guess what, this one came <laughs> along now, so um, she said, you got two, two for me with mm. folliculinum, So yeah, quite a a lovely remedy, but I would just put a little um, parentheses around that practitioner use only. Absolutely.
0: yeah, yeah. I've just recently learned another aspect of that remedy um, from Hilary Dorian, who has this great lecture on the endocrine sarcoid. So uh, they're a passion of mine. I love them. And she was just talking about how the contraceptive pill obviously suppresses the ovaries and how the ovaries are the seat of creativity for a woman. And how often when we give this remedy for it can actually bring a woman's creativity back as well, and as mm-hmm. well as undoing some of the harms from the contraceptive pill. So, yeah, it's just beautiful Absolutely. what our remedies can do. It can work on so many different levels and so many unexpected not- levels.
1: Not just contraceptive pills, but also a lot of women who've been through IVF. Oh, absolutely. And they, they've had these drugs that really mm. um, push the, uh, the production of eggs mm. uh, and they're exhausted. It's mm. almost like they have ovarian exhaustion. And morning and folliculitis helps to bring back a, regu- a regular rhythm. And uh, women who've been on synthetic hormones for a long time, very useful. Sometimes Um, not even a long time because some people can be so sensitive.
0: They can be on it for like, you know, a month and then so sensitive, they have to go off it. And then we can still use that remedy.
1: It's beautiful. Mm, Absolutely. Oh, I'm glad you finished off off on that one. I love that remedy too. (laughs) Oh, that's you know, (laughs) we have so much to share. And uh, um, I just want to commend you particularly, Eugenie, for uh, the podcast format. Because I think it just makes uh, a lot of this information available to people. And hopefully it's inspiring. I know that I mentioned my journey with homeopathy is almost 40 years old. Wow. Uh, And, you know, I am just excited um, about, as you say, even in the modern world with the challenges we have is like how many people um, are embracing homeopathy as a health option Mm -hmm. uh, and really find people like yourself who dedicate uh, their time to study, uh, get qualified, and Mm -hmm.
0: stay up to date.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, well, it's done so much for me and my family and my friends. It w- like I would be selfish not to want to share it with everyone else. But speaking of selfish, I do sometimes feel a little bit selfish for doing the podcast because I get to hang out with really cool people like you. <laughs> so I do thoroughly enjoy doing this. So thank you so much for your time, Susanna. It's just been lovely to get to meet you after all those years of seeing your name on all the notes and your perinatal therapeutics booklet. I still use more than a decade later. That's such a good booklet. It was such a great handout at college but it's lovely to meet the person behind all the beautiful notes that I had.
1: (laughs) So thank you so much for your time. It is my pleasure. And thanks for uh, doing what you do in your community. It's a huge pleasure. See you. Bye.
0: Hi, homies. I'd like to invite you to come and join me at the Homeopathy Hangout Podcast Facebook group, where we can discuss past episodes and you can help me decide on new content for the show. Also, be sure to check out my YouTube channel, where you'll find my free Homeopathy at Home 30-minute introduction video, which is perfect for anyone completely new to homeopathy who's ready to take charge of their own health. Just search for Eugenie Kruger Homeopathy on YouTube. And if you'd like to support this podcast, you can make a once-off five Dollar donation by visiting www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash hangout. Or if you'd like to make a monthly donation, you can visit www.patron.com podbean.com forward slash homeopathyhangout. And if you're in Australia and you'd like to purchase one of our beautiful homeopathic kits, single remedies, or one of our amazing combination remedies, visit www.eugeniekruger.com where you can also sign up to our newsletter so you don't miss out on any special offers. And if you're interested in advertising on our show, please email info at com. Thanks so much for listening.